0: Scripture reading tonight is from Romans 12:9 through 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. That's a great song. It uh, reminds me of one of my members uh, at Christian Chapel. There was one of the older men who, uh, who I told him often that that was his song. And uh, the first time I told him that, he asked me why. And I told him every time I preached, he went to sleep. And therefore, that song, Anywhere With Jesus, I Can Go to Sleep, just applied to him. And I think of that at times probably when I shouldn't. It is good to good to be with you. It's a good number for Sunday night. In trying to determine what to speak on tonight, I tried to come up with a topic that I just hoped to be helpful. And as I wrestled with three or four ideas, the idea that kept coming back to my mind was how badly we need to be reminded that God truly is near. Because I'm just afraid we go through life and we get to the point that we kind of push God to his throne and put his fingers in his ears, and we create a distance between ourselves and him. And so the purpose of the lesson tonight is to remind us that God is not far from us, but that He is very near. You know, we have so many examples from children. Things were in many ways so much better when they were more simple. You know, as much as I enjoy where I am in life, in many ways I look back on those early childhood days and I think, Wow, (laughs) a lot of those parts of life were very desirable. And I think that's part of what Jesus was talking about when he said, Of such is the kingdom of heaven. Well, I want to start, uh, as we get into this this morning, looking at some of the simplicity of the relationships between children and God. And I think you can read that now. Uh, The top in the slides, uh, not on the screen, but in what I actually found in each of these, uh, begins as a written prayer with the words, Dear God. So if you can't make out the first uh, line, Uh, I think you can uh, see the rest of it and just know what the first line is. I've heard some of you chuckle. You have read, and I'm not going to read these. I've got uh, eight or ten of these. I just want you to enjoy them. And you do see the honesty of the children in these prayers showing their understanding that God is near. Now, if I watch, I'll know who the quick readers are, won't I? Many of our students would like that too, probably, Uh, maybe a longer spring break. I'm not sure if you can see that in the back. I bet it's very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family and I can never do it. Can you see most of them in the back or can you not see them? Can you see them? Dear God, instead of letting people die, having to make new ones why don't you just keep the ones you got now that's kind of funny and kind of uh some deep thought in isn't it dear god i think about you sometimes even when i'm not praying and as you watch these they get a little more serious a little closer to home and the last one dear god are you really invisible or is that just a trick Well, I want to use these to kind of introduce the fact that children, I think, understand that God is near. They readily accept not only that He is near, but that He is real. And I think they rely on that. And I want you to look with me and think with me about how cyclical life is. Children are dependent. And they trust and we see as we developed and as our children develop, they go into those teenage years when they are indispensable. Other teenagers may not live long lives, but I will. Things like that don't happen to me. In psychology, we call that the personal fable. But those teenage years are years when we can drive without seat belts and ride motorcycles without helmets. And we can do things because those things happen to others. So. In those teenage years, I think we begin that process of gaining independence and pushing God farther and farther away. And I debated a little with this one. These are my own defined stages, and there's no research other than personal experience and observation behind this particular slide. But this one I wrestled with a little bit because I do think it's at that point where when we reach young adulthood, we have grown to the point of being able to think critically and understand. And as I have two children at this stage in life, and I, I see how quickly they are to tell Dad the way it is, that's okay, I understand, because that's a phase and a stage. And at this stage, we have a strong sense of independence, And therefore, do not rely a great deal on God at times, or at least on others, because we are in control. I think when we get to midlife, we start experiencing adversity. Maybe not so much on the part of ourselves, but possibly on the part of others. And as we are close to others who deal with adversity, it gets closer to home. And so we are seeing and feeling a lack of independence we are starting to, to see that there are times when there are situations we cannot control and then we get to the point at whatever point this is i think different ages for different people where we reach uh, senior adulthood or the aged and when we get to that point we no longer feel that we are in control in many ways we realize that there are things that we need others for that there are health situations that we cannot control. They do come our way. We face the loss of spouses and family members and friends, and there was absolutely nothing we can do about it. And so as we look at the first stage and as we look at the second or the last stage, the fifth stage, they're very similar in ways. We go from being very dependent and very trusting, I believe, back to being very dependent and very trusting. What I want to encourage us to consider tonight is that we should not have to be at stage one or at stage five in order to acknowledge that God is very real and that he is near and active in my life. And so it is, again, as I said, my purpose tonight for us to consider the reality that God is near and not to have to have difficulty, not to... Be at a stage in life where we are so dependent. And the text that I've chosen as the key text for the lesson is Psalm 145 and verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on Him in truth. And if we accept the inspiration of the psalmist, if we accept the Bible as God's Word, then the message tonight is not from me, but it is from God Himself. That he is very near. Point number one. Why do we sometimes feel that God is so far away? What happens? What causes that? I want to suggest, number one tonight, that we often create a great distance between ourselves and God. It is something that we do. It is not something that he does. Part of the reason, I believe, is because we do have difficulty accepting what we cannot observe with the senses. We have a difficult time, sometimes at least, understanding that the spiritual world is real. We have a hard time accepting as real things that we cannot see. Now, it's interesting because in some ways it's so very easy. We all acknowledge there are a lot of places we have never seen that we know that are real. If you've not been to New York City, chances are you don't doubt its existence. If you've not been to other countries, you don't doubt their existence. And maybe the reason for that is because you know people who have seen them and you trust them. But it is the case, sometimes we have difficulty accepting things that we cannot see. Sometimes I think we feel like Israel in this next passage from Exodus chapter 24, verses 1 to 2. And the reason I think we sometimes feel like Israel is because we realize there are people like Moses out there who have a real close relationship with God. We believe that there are people that God is near to, but for us, we just don't feel that closeness. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near. And the people may not come up with Him. I think that may represent where many of us are in terms of how we feel about our closeness to God. That we see people who seem to be so close, but for whatever reason, likely due to our own doing, we feel like we just cannot approach God in the way that Moses did. We often create this distance because... I think, through the years, we have rejected God's miraculous intervention. And in doing so, we have pushed Him to the point that we believe, whether we state it or not, maybe even subconsciously, we believe that there's no intervention or no involvement between God and ourselves. Now, this word miraculous or miracle is a controversial word. And we see that used in very different ways. The point I'm trying to make here is that I'm afraid, if we're not careful, we have so fought in our thinking and in our teaching that God does things miraculously today, miraculously meaning outside the laws of nature, and quite frankly, as as involved as I believe God is, as evident as it is that God's hand is at work, I'll have to tell you, I've never seen anything that seems to be outside those laws of nature. But you know what? God can do whatever He wants to do. He can do within the laws of nature things that are way beyond our belief. So without getting too bogged down in the Word, the point I'm trying to make is I think we have gone so far fighting some who believe that God is involved in ways that we may not believe To the point that we have pushed Him away. Now if you don't believe it, I want you to think with me about what I think we all do from time to time. I think we pray to God, especially during difficult times, for God to do something. And then if it happens, we're surprised that it happened. And not only are we surprised that it happened, we feel like, well, it was just matter of chance, or it was just a matter of things having fallen into place. It's almost like we ask God to do something, and then when He does it, then we justify how it happened outside of God. Do you know what I mean? I think sometimes if we're not careful, that's what happens. If God is real, and if Jesus told us that He will will respond to us when we knock and ask and seek, then God... Is on his throne, but he is not confined to it. He does listen to us without his fingers in his ears. And I sometimes say, and even sometimes in prayers, have said, It is as though when I call on the name of God, he turns to the heavenly host and he says, Wait, stop. My child is talking. Just wait. I need to hear this. It's important to me. Help me to do this. Help me to do this. I know that God doesn't have to do that. In my feeble way of thinking and in my feeble way of understanding, that's kind of how I attribute human characteristics to God and all of His might and power, and He's just not limited in that way. But I believe neither is He limited, such that when I call upon His name, He waters down or halfway hears or is just somewhat interested. God is involved. I believe the Bible is clear on that. However, because the distance that we have created between ourselves and God, we are like the people, I think sometimes at least, described in Zephaniah 3 and verse 2. This people obeys no one. They accept no correction. They do not trust in the Lord. They do not draw near to their God. And the passage here refers to a nation of people who have fallen away from God. And I think so many times that's where we find ourselves. Accepting no correction, not trusting in the Lord. And in Zechariah chapter 1 verses 2 and 3, the Lord was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says, return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you says the Lord Almighty. If we find ourselves tonight having created distance between ourselves and God, it is not as though God moved, but it is as though we moved. And even though the passage from Zechariah indicates that God has walked away or created some distance, really the creation of the distance was not on His part. You have pulled away from me. If you will come back, I will draw you near to me, as we will see from the book of James, chapter 4. I think sometimes we have created distance between himself and ourselves. But secondly tonight, I want us to think about how so often we seem to be shaken back to reality when difficult times come. Point number two, often it takes adversity. To cause us to acknowledge that God is truly near and actively involved. Now, I want to be real with this one. Because I think even a person close to God as one could be draws even closer during difficult times. I don't think the perfect, faithful Christian is so close to God that when difficult times come, he doesn't reach out in a greater way. And so it's not my point. It's not my purpose tonight to cause us to go, yeah, I did that. I must not have been right with God. It is often the case that adversity causes us to acknowledge God, that God is truly near. And He is actively involved. And I'll also say that it is sometimes the case that adversity drives some in the other direction. I will also say tonight that adversity takes us to a whole new level of understanding. As I look out over the audience, I see several of you that, that remind me of the real reality of the statement. When you go through difficult times, you have a whole new level of understanding. And in fact, I have come to describe God as using life to mature us spiritually to the point that we reach out toward heaven and desire it in a far greater way. You know, the older we get, the more those aches and pains come. The older we get, the longer we live, the more of these adversities that come our way. The more we deal with separation, the more we deal with anxiety, the more we deal with all of these things. And I see people who are ready to go, like Miss Judy proclaimed to me, who have experienced their... Own adversities and realize in a far greater way that this world is not home. And that doesn't just happen. Adversity truly brings us to a whole new level of understanding. Adversity, in doing so, reminds us of what is important. We've heard over and over again that on one's deathbed they don't talk about their automobile or their house. Why? Because of what is before us. I want to read a story that I've heard many times. About the author of the song, It Is Well With My Soul. And I'm sure most of us have heard this. But it makes the point that I'm trying to make tonight. And that is adversity, if we handle it as we should, will cause us to reach out to God. To have an understanding. To Understand it's not about this life. Horatio Spafford lived from 1828 to 1888. He was a wealthy Chicago lawyer with a thriving legal practice, a beautiful home, a wife, four daughters, and a son. He was also a devout Christian and faithful student of the scriptures. His circle of friends included Dwight L. Moody, Ira Sankey, and various other well-known Christians of their day. At the very height of his financial and professional success, Horatio and his wife Anna suffered the tragic loss of their young son. Shortly thereafter, on October the 8th, 1871, the Great Chicago Fire destroyed almost every real estate investment that Spafford had. In 1873, Spafford scheduled a boat trip to Europe in order to give his wife and daughters a much-needed vacation and time to recover from the tragedy. He also went to join Moody and Sankey on an evangelistic campaign in England. Spafford sent his wife and daughters ahead of him while he remained in Chicago to take care of some unexpected last-minute business. Several days later, he received notice that his family's ship had encountered a collision. All four of his daughters drowned. Only his wife had survived. With a heavy heart, Spafford boarded a boat that would take him to his grieving Anna in England. It was on this trip that he penned those now famous words, When sorrow like sea billows roll, It is well, it is well with my soul. Now how did he do that? That's mighty close to a seven sons and three daughters story of Job. How at that point in his adversity could he write the song, With the beautiful words, it is well with my soul. Well, because the two points that are above his name. Because with adversity, we have a new level of understanding. With adversity, we understand what matters. With adversity, we draw near to God. Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Now the purpose of the lesson tonight, I'll come back to, is to get to the point where we can cast our cares on the Lord without them being so terrible that we have no choice. Psalm 34 and verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit second part of that verse is very meaningful. Should we pray that God will crush our spirit? Well, I'd like to think that our goal is to be near Him without Him having to do that. Isaiah 55, 1-3. You've got to look closely in this passage. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk. Without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread. And your labor on what does not not satisfy. Listen. Listen to me. And eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. You see, the people in the day of Isaiah had fallen away, and the prophet Isaiah says, come back. God will take care of your needs. You may have no money. You won't need it. You may lack. You will not lack. You may be without. You will not be without. Draw near unto God, and He will take care of you. But what if we could get to that type of relationship without having to have the adversity? Without having to go through the hardship? That's That's the boat I want to be on. That's the route I want to take. I want to do it the easy way. Is there an easy way? Well, there's an easier way than to have to find ourselves in trouble. Why? Because God is near. And we can take advantage of it. How different life would be, number three, if we would accept that God is near without having to go through adversity. It's interesting to consider this verse because David, the psalmist, went through his own adversities, many of of them self-imposed. Psalm 73, verse 28, the wise man, the father of the wise man, the wise man himself said, But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. The psalmist said we can be near to God if we will make Him our refuge in good times and in bad. And so my question is, is it doable? Is it possible for us to be that near to God? And for us to realize that He is that near? You know, there is no way for me to illustrate God walking in this room tonight. Oh, I guess there is. It would be very feeble. There's not a realistic and a respectful way for me to illustrate God's physical presence because His presence is not physical. It's better than that. Because God is here. I talked moments ago as we began about the simplicity of children. I remember those conversations with my mother as a young child when I was trying to figure it out. And my mom would say, God is everywhere. And so I would come up with the questions. How many of us did that? Is he in the wall? Is he in the tree? You know, and uh, the worst place or the most difficult place that anyone could be that would come to those simple minds is the way we would ask the question. Where is God? And the response was very simple and very true. Yes, God is there. So, is it possible for us to realize that God is there without having to do it the hard way? I want to suggest that it is. Not without adversity, but it is possible possible by our acknowledging the adversity of His Son. You see, this is an alternative route. Either I can go through something very difficult and I may have to do that, or I may do that because of a mistake I made, or maybe a mistake of somebody else. I may go through adversity and reach out to God. But is that the the only way? My answer to that question is no. Why? Because the adversity was experienced by Jesus Himself. And so without having to experience that adversity, if I will draw close enough to the adversity that he experienced, I'm convinced it will have the same effect. And in fact, I'm convinced it will have a better and stronger effect. There is a difference in the nearness we have with God and the nearness that those before Jesus had with Him. Look at this passage, Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. We can feel close to God and understand His nearness. Why? Because the veil of the temple was torn. Because we don't have to watch only Moses go in, or the high priest go in, that holy of holies. We can boldly, with confidence, walk in there. Why? because of the adversity that Jesus experienced for us and the truth is the further we find ourselves from this adversity the further we find ourselves from God the less we appreciate the cross the farther we feel from almighty God would you agree with that I think so we might look at that in reverse The farther we feel from God, the more difficult time we have in communing with our brothers and sisters in Christ. The farther we find ourselves feeling from God, the more difficult time we have in being reverent when we imagine His Son hanging on the cross. The farther we find ourselves away from God, the more difficult time we have in hearing someone use the name of Jesus in vain, and it hurt. Why? Well, when we drift away from the cross, then we drift away from God. And if God will do this for me, what would He not do? You see, there's an alternative way. We don't have to go through hardship difficulty to realize that God is near if we'll use this and as you look you can almost see God in the back you can almost see him in the heavens not as though his face is depicted there but you can just imagine how difficult it was for God to look down and see and experience what he did if I stay close to the cross not only is God close to me but the Bible says his spirit is within me. Romans 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This is the epitome of how near God is to us. This is it. If we are God's children, if we live as God's children, If our lives produce fruits of the Spirit, it is because God's own Spirit has been given to us and dwells within us. Now, that's a little tricky to understand. We will never fully understand it until we reach the other side, and then we will fully understand it. But I think God gave us enough for us to realize that if we draw near the cross of Christ, His Spirit will move within us. That's pretty near, isn't it? It's as near as it gets. It may be that if we feel that God is not near, that we have allowed life, independence, worldliness, and actually a host of other things to push His Spirit away from us. And the last point tonight, number four, the nearer we allow God to be, the farther Satan becomes. It may be that we're not very near to God because we have allowed Satan to push him away. It is the case that we are either filled with the Spirit of God or Satan fills that void. And if we are not filled with the Spirit of God, if we have not drawn near to Him, then the hedge that God places around us by being in His presence is removed. I'm confident that Satan is more powerful than me. And without God's help, I will not win. James 4, verse 7 to 10. Submit yourselves then to God. In fact, 7 and 8 is what we'll look at. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Draw nigh unto God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Man, I like the thought of that. Boy, if I could just see him never again, my life would be so much different. So much easier. How can I get him to run? Draw nigh unto God. Look at these verses Deuteronomy 28, verse 7. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. Now, I believe this passage was talking about Israel's enemies as they were to make their way toward Canaan. But I believe there is no enemy greater than the devil. And I love that last line. He comes at me, but will flee in seven different directions. Why? Because God is blowing him away if I will be near to God. First Samuel 17, verse 47. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you Into our hands. Romans 16 verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Paul wrote to the church at Rome. As he ended his letter. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Can we do it ourselves? No we can't. But if we stay close to God he will. God is not far away. He is very near. In this last verse. Joshua 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Where have you gone that God was not with you? Nowhere, unless we stepped over into the land of Satan, controlled by Satan, allowing him to control us. And if we do that, then God has not moved, but we have. God is near. May we be reminded. Tonight we offer the invitation. If you need to respond. If you'd like tonight to put on Christ in baptism. If you need to ask for prayers at the church. If you need to come to get burdens off your heart. We'd encourage you to do so at this time.